Gospel of John, chapter 17, being the first five verses of Scripture this morning in John's Gospel. Certainly uh, appreciate the, the thoughts and the prayers. I will be traveling tomorrow morning. Within 24 hours, I will be uh, at the airport, and I finally get to catch up with Patty. You know, it's been a week. Uh, without her, y'all didn't think I was going to make it, did you? <laughs> it was close. It was very close there, touch and go for a while, but certainly we got through it, and uh, Made it to the end, close to the end anyhow. So, but I'll be with her this week, and then I'll be back. We'll return back together the first of next week. So just be praying for travels for me tomorrow. I'd appreciate that. Um, just a couple of things I want to ask you, because we're going to get into some, some scripture this morning. It's so important. I mean, we talk about it, and this isn't something new. I mean, if you think about the, the, the messages that I've been preaching and the things we've been talking about at night on Sunday night, even Wednesday night, these all things tie together. And so there's a, a, a passage that I want to share with you this morning. And, and this whole chapter, I'm probably going to do a series out of this chapter over the next three, three Sundays that I'm here in the morning. But this is the first five verses. And I have a couple of questions for you. How important is prayer in your personal life? How important is prayer to you? How important is it in your personal life? And we're going to talk about that this morning, about what the Bible says about prayer and how important it is to each of us and what Jesus says about it and how he, exempl- uh, he exemplified it for us and demonstrated it for us. But as a church, we pray individually. We pray corporately on a regular basis for the needs of other people. You think about it. If Sunday morning, we have a prayer time together before we get started. Sunday evenings, we talk about prayer. Wednesday evenings, before we have Bible study, we have prayer. We do it in a corporate setting as well as individual setting. The deacons make it a point that we pray for people specifically for certain issues. We'll do that again this evening. We do that at the beginning of the deacons' meeting because prayer is just that important to us as Christians. We pray on behalf of other people asking God to intervene in some way in their lives because there's a need that that has to be there. There's a need that's there. There's something that we want God to do in their life. There's some way we want him to to mold in, to fit in, to to soothe, to guide, to direct. There's things that we pray on the behalf of other people, whether it's sickness, surgery, or some kind of personal struggle. We're praying and asking God to touch them. We're asking God to touch their lives, let them feel his presence so that they can move forward with the difficulty of the struggle that they are going through. There's a lot of struggle in this church right now. I have met this morning with several people that are really struggling. They're having a hard time with things that have happened recently, and they're struggling with some things that are going on. And we want God. We've already been praying feverently for God to intervene in those situations. Prayer is essential and is an important part of a Christian walk. It's important that we pray to God the Father. It's important that we pray to Jesus. It's important that we put prayer in our daily walk, not just, just once in a while, not just at mealtime, not just when, before we go to bed, but prayer is a conversation with the creator of this universe, and it needs to be an important part of our daily walk. Prayer was an important part of the ministry and the walk that Jesus had while he was here. For the 33-plus years that Jesus was here, prayer was an important part of his ministry and he's the model example for us he's one we should be pattern our christian walk after but it was important to him while he was here the bible says that many times he got up early and went off on his own you know some people can do that some people can get up early five o'clock is an early time right 
They get up early. They get into the Word. They study because it's quiet time for them. It's a time when they can pray. It's a time when they can reflect on certain things that God is moving in their lives. It says in the Bible that Jesus got often got up early and went off by himself. He went alone for prayer for the Heavenly Father. It was not corporate prayer. Now, he had corporate prayer with the disciples. He prayed out loud so the disciples could hear certain times when he was praying. Sometimes he didn't pray out loud. The Bible talks about times when Jesus was alone and went off to pray, but it doesn't actually say what he was praying or how he was praying or what the words he was using. It just tells us that he went off alone to pray. He was off many times, whether it was on a mountaintop or in the, the garden. We know what he prayed in the garden or in some deserted place. Jesus made it clear that prayer was an important part of his daily walk. It's important to him. It should be important to us. Communication with God was a necessary part of his ministry. God provided Jesus with comfort. You think about it. He provided Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He gave him comfort while he was here. He gave him peace. He gave him guidance. And he gave him answers that only God can provide. I mean, there's a lot of times that that other people are comforting to you, but they can't provide the answers that God provides. God provided answers for Jesus Christ while he was here on this earth that only he can provide. He is the same God that's on the throne today. The same God who was on the throne when Jesus walked on this earth is the same God that's on the throne today. He hasn't changed. He's not moved away. He's not in a different location. There's not a different style that we have to use to get to him. It's still prayer. It's prayer like when Jesus talked to him. It's what we're going to talk about there. We're going to get into that a little bit heavier this morning. But the thing is, he's the same God that still sits on the throne. And church, let me just talk about a couple of things this morning. The fact that Jesus is the model example for every Christian to follow and the fact that we want to be imitators of Christ just as Paul was. We want to be imitators of Christ and the example that Jesus modeled for us as a church. We want to make sure that prayer is an important part of our life, our personal life. I know it's an important part of Pine Hill Baptist Church's life because it's, it's the main part. Prayer is not just something that we add on at the beginning of a business meeting or that we add on at the beginning of the service or we tack on to the end of the service. It is important. It's an important part of our worship of glorification of God the Father. Let me ask you another question. Do you pray for yourself do you pray for yourself when I'm sitting there and looking at this scripture and I'm talking and thinking about it? And I say, do you pray for yourself? And my answer is, I do. I pray for myself every day. Wow, you say, well, he's praying for himself. He must be, you know, self-centered, self-focused. You think about it. Most of the time when I'm praying for myself, I start out with the words, Lord, please help me too. Lord, please help me too. That's where I start out. Because let me tell you something. I need help. I need help as the pastor. But I start out, Lord, please help me to have a closer walk with you. Lord, please help me to have a closer walk with you. Make sure that nothing distracts me on this day so that I have a closer walk with you. Lord, please help me to have a closer walk with you. Lord, please help me to lead the church the way you want the church to be led. Because that's the only way it needs to be led. Lord, please help me to be the husband to Patty that she deserves and that she needs. Lord, please help me to be the father and the grandfather to my grandchildren and to my children that I need to be. Lord, help me to be the pastor at Pine Hill Baptist Church needs because it is your church. Never take it for granted. It's God's church. This is his house. This is where we come together in his church. 
we are a body of believers, but this is his place. This is his place of worship, and we have a purpose for coming into this house. There's absolutely nothing wrong or selfish for praying for yourself. There's absolutely nothing wrong for asking God to intervene in your own life before you ask him to intervene in somebody else's life. Let me see you. It's been said before, what, you got to sweep out in front of your own what? Doorstep before you can go anywhere else, right? you got to clean up your own stuff. you got to think about yourself first. That throughout the chapter in, in John 17, throughout this whole chapter, we read where Jesus did some pretty extensive praying. We're going to talk about the first five verses, and next, the next time I'm here, we're going to talk about the middle of that. But Jesus does some pretty extensive praying in this passage of Scripture. Let me tell you something. This is Jesus' prayer. You know, we talk about the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. But, but specifically in this chapter, you see Jesus Christ praying on behalf of certain issues, things that are important to him. He, he made a point to pray for himself. He made a point to pray for disciples, and he prayed for every follower that would come afterwards. So church, think about this. I want you to understand this. Jesus was praying for each of us while he was praying for himself. And you think about what is about to take place. You think about what's coming. You think about what's on his mind, about the fact that he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He's about to be placed on the cross. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be humiliation. And more, more importantly, there's going to be separation from the Father. He's facing all of that, and he knows what's coming, but yet he's still praying for each of us. And we hadn't even been born yet. Man, he sees into the future. He's praying for me. He's praying for Carrie. He's praying for you. Man, it's the same thing. It's important to him. And he's still praying for us. This morning, I want us to open up God's word together and see what John records in his gospel about the importance of praying for yourself. If you would, would you stand with me? If you were able, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And only if you're able. John 17, starting in verse 1, Jesus says this. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to everyone who you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on this earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Pray with me, please. Father, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Anytime that Jesus approached the throne of grace, he used the same analogy. He used the same format. He always began his prayer with the word Father. He identified God, the creator of the universe, for who he was, for what he was, his heavenly father. He always approached his, 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 his prayer in the same way. He addressed God for who he was as the heavenly father, and he talked to God about the current concerns that he had. 
And let me, let's just look at this just a minute. So many people worry about how to pray, what to say, how to say it. I'm not going to get the words right. I don't know enough about it. I don't know how to pray. I, I may not can pray in public because it's, it's just going to be uncomfortable for me because I, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to pray. That's most likely the same thing that the disciples said to Jesus Christ before he taught them the Lord's Prayer. I mean, most likely they looked at him and said, you know what? When Jesus is praying, it's different than the way we pray. Is there something completely different about how he's communicating with the Father in heaven? I mean, they, they went to him, and, I, and, and this is paraphrasing, but Carrie probably says things like this. Lord, we don't think we're doing it right. We don't think we're praying right. Can you teach us how to pray? And that's the same thing that I think that he's, he's telling us, but, but we don't have to worry about it. So many people worry about how to pray. After all, he is the almighty God. And he's the creator of the universe. And, and just the fact that he lets us approach him, it's just it's humbling enough. But the thing is, we shouldn't be worried about that. He, he's, he's all powerful, and these are some of his characteristics, but we should never be worried about getting the words perfect or coming to God strong, thinking that we're not worthy of speaking with him. Nothing could be further from the truth because, one, he wants to hear from us. Nothing's too big or too small that he doesn't want to hear from. He wants us to, to bring our petitions to him. It says that in the Bible. Let me say something. Just say, Father, just like Jesus did. You started out with Father because He's your Heavenly Father. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, if you placed your trust in Him, God is your Heavenly Father. He's different than your earthly father. Your earthly father could be significant in your life, but let me tell you something. Your Heavenly Father is way more significant. Talk with Him like you're His dearly loved child, which you are. You most certainly are. Man, he loves us unconditionally. He wants to hear from you. You don't have to know the, the King's English or the Old English. All you have to do is just talk with Him. Let me tell you something. I know that every single person in this building right here can talk. Anybody in here can't talk? Nobody. Everybody's got a conversation now. We might have a few babies around that can't talk, but every one of you can talk. Do you have any trouble communicating with each other? Yes or no? No problems. God wants us to talk to him the same way. It's the same thing. We need to be on the same page. Let's look at some things together here. We need to go to God in prayer. We need to make sure we get our hearts and our lives right first before we go to God on behalf of somebody else. We need to make sure we're in tune with God. We need to make sure we're in tune with heaven. We need to be, have a fine tune of our lives before we go to God in prayer. Let me tell you something. Old school. Y'all remember what old school looks like? No? You remember radios that had knobs on them? Y'all remember that? Anybody remember those radios had knobs on them? You could fine-tune. You would tune in a radio station, right? You'd be turning to be crackling and be noise, and you'd get close, but then you would fine-tune that thing in so that you'd be crystal clear because you wanted to hear what was being played. You wanted to hear what was being said without any distractions. You want to get all the static out of the way. That's exactly what, what the Bible tells us we need to be doing before we come to God the Father. We need to clean it up. We need to fine-tune our lives so that when we come into His presence, we can hear exactly what He wants us to say. We go a little bit further. We look at every instrument should be tuned up before it's played. If this piano was out of tune, you'd be letting somebody know about it, wouldn't you? They need to be in tune. Instruments need to be in tune before they're played. The same thing with our lives. Our lives need to be in tune with God in order to talk with Him. The burden that Jesus was carrying in this particular passage of Scripture is the fact of glorifying God. 
Everything that he did, every walk that he did, every action that he did throughout his ministry was for the sole purpose of glorifying God. Everything that he spoke was for the sole purpose of glorifying God. And now, in this glory for the Father would be revealed in his work on the cross. We know why he came. We know the purpose that he came was to go to the cross. We know that while he was here, he changed lives, that he, he made people different than they were. But his sole purpose on his walk was to glorify the Father in heaven. Let me tell you something. That's your purpose today as Christians is to glorify the Father in heaven. He gave us work to do, but that's our purpose. The servant of God, which is the follower of Jesus Christ, has every right to ask a heavenly Father for the help that they need to glorify his name. But we want to glorify Jesus Christ in the actions that we do in this church independently, individually, and corporately are for the sole purpose of glorifying the Father. He said in the scripture, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus talks, he started out that. He's talking about how hallowed be thy name, how majestic you are, how big you are. It's a great old big God in the, in the heavens and how hallowed be thy name because your name is above every other name. That is the first petition in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9. And it is the first emphasis in the prayer that Jesus has in John 17. He talks about God for who he is and what he is and what he, he represents. The word glory, we'll go and look at it a little bit further. If you look at the word glory in these five verses of Scripture, it's mentioned five different times. And I have shared that with you before. If a word is repeated multiple times, you need to pay specific attention to it because there's a focus on that. In five verses of Scripture, the word glory is used five different times. And we need to carefully distinguish between the different types of glories that Jesus is talking about. Because he's specific in what he's talking about in these different types of glory. There's types of glory that he wants us to know about, but yet he wants to glorify the Father. Christ refers to his heavenly glory that he laid aside before he came to earth. The glory that he shared with God the Father in the beginning, when, when the world was created, when time was created, they were together through him, by him, they were all together. And that was the glory that he wanted to re return to, and he knew that he was going to return to it. But that was what he was seeking and to take out the, uh, on the form of a man. When he left his glory in heaven and came down to earth to be the form of a man, to serve, to suffer, and to ultimately die for our sins. He left that glory and he desired to go back to that glory. He glorified God by completing the work that he had done and he had been sent here to do. When we look at this, Jesus came here and he touched lives and he changed lives. Amen? Let me ask you something. Have you been touched by Jesus? Have you been changed by Jesus? In the actions that he's done and the things that he's done in your life, have you been touched or changed by Jesus? Oh, Jesus came to, to touch and to change lives, ultimately paying the debt that we owed on a cross so that people would have the opportunity to have eternal life in heaven. I mean, it all points to Jesus. It all points to eternity and to eternal life in heaven. You can't say the word Jesus without saying eternal life. You can't say one without the other. They're all together. He finished the task that he'd been given, an assignment that he was sent here to do. The Bible says that God gave Christ authority over all people and through him so that he could provide eternal life. And that he could, he's going to give it to us. He's going to do it for us. In his prayer, Jesus gave a definition of eternal life. When you talk about it, you say, well, what is eternal life? Well, Jesus gets he's pretty clear on it, and we've talked about this on multiple times. Jesus defined eternal life as having a relationship with God and his son. Have we ever talked about relationships? 
Have we talked about growing in our relationships? Man, that's how he describes eternal life. In order to know eternal life, you have to know the Father through the Son. You can't know one without the other. And you can't know God without knowing the Son. There's no other way to know the Father, nor is there any other way to gain access to the Father other than knowing the Son. If that's news to you, let me tell you something. You need to pay close attention. Because there's no way to enter into the presence of the Almighty God. There's no way to enter into the fellowship with God. There's no way to have a relationship with God without knowing the Son. The word know, we look it up, and the word know is found in verse 3, comes from the Greek term to understand. We use that word a lot, but it means to understand rather than merely to perceive or recognize. The term implies an exchange of ideas and values between two people such as they share complete familiarity with each other. I know my wife. I know my children. You know this church. You know people that you work with. You have complete familiarity with certain people. In a term, it's described the relationship with close friends or married couples. When you look at it, eternal life is not only a long life. It's an abundant life. It's specific. God talks about that in John 10.10. Jesus said, I come to give life and to give it what? More abundantly. Not just life, not just eternal life, but a full life. One that's, that's lived to the fullest, but an abundant life. Now let's look at some things. The quantity of eternal life is matched with the quality of life. So it's not just an eternal life that goes on and on forever. There's a quality that's associated with it. And it's different than not having life at all. And this satisfaction can be enjoyed only when an individual fulfills his or her created purpose. That's something we talked about. Your purpose. And the purpose is to glorify God the Father and to enjoy Him fully. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants us to, to, to be with him each and every day. And we need to understand how important this is because it does not merely refer to existence that lasts forever because everyone is going to exist somewhere eternally. Amen? It doesn't end. Just because this life ends, our souls go on, and everyone's going to exist somewhere eternally. Each of us has a specific number of days that we're going to live on this earth, and when this earthly life is over, we'll spend eternity somewhere, and there's only two choices, and that's heaven and hell. We're going to spend eternity in one of those two places. Eternal life in heaven is distinctly different from eternity in hell because there's no life in hell. There's eternal life in heaven with God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. But there's only eternity in hell. John 14, 6, Jesus said, he told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that believers are given eternal life. You think about it. Satan does not promise eternal life. He doesn't promise life at all. He doesn't provide life. All he promises is death and darkness. He misleads people, but what he's given us is death and darkness. There's eternity, but there's no life in hell. Life can only be provided by the one who gives life, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Eternal life is freely given by God to those who believe in his son. The father gave his son the authority to give eternal life. He gave him authority over all people. But he gave him the authority that he could provide eternal life through the, through the grace of God and the, and the shed blood on the cross. From the human standpoint, we receive the gift of eternal life when we believe in Jesus Christ. Eternal life has come from knowing God personally, not just knowing about him. But knowing him personally, having a personal relationship with him. Satan knows who he is. The Bible says we cannot know the Father apart from the Son. You can't know one without the other. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
You, we, are, we are one and the same. God the Father, part of the Holy Trinity. The prayer that Jesus is recording in John 17 reveals this. His, per, his present work on our behalf. Jesus is praying out loud in this prayer. He's praying out loud so the disciples hear what he's saying. He's praying out loud so that it will be recorded, so that, that we will know what he's praying about, how specific he's, he's getting down to the, to the benefits for us and what he's wanting to do to influence God on our behalf. Even now, he's interceding for us for the Father in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's sitting there, and he's, he's intervening on our behalf. When we make a mistake, when we slip a little bit, he's still there. He's saying, that's my child. I, I want you to do this for me because that's my child. I died for them. Jesus wanted us to know he was going to use everything in his power to meet the needs that we have in our lives. And we have some needs in our lives. Amen? And every single day we've got the needs and we've got to go to God. We've got to ask him to help us meet those needs. He wants us to know that we have the, we're precious to him and that we'll always have a special place in his heart. And he said this, says, Heavenly Father in John 17, verse 13, says this, Now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete in them. I, hope, I want them to have the joy that you and I have. I want them to have the relationship that you and I have. I want them to have exactly what you sent me to give them. It's not enough simply to believe in God. It will never save you and never save the lost just believing in God. It's not enough just to be going to church. Satan and his demons believe in God, and the Bible says that they tremble at the mention of his name. They tremble. They know who he is. They know what he is, and they believe he's there, and they tremble at his voice. Eternal life is not something that we earn by our own character, our own conduct. It's a gift we receive by admitting that we are sinners, repenting of our sins, and believing in Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. And God loves each of you. He loves all of us. He loves this whole world. He loves those people that, that have believed in him and those people that haven't. He, he, you were his creation. And he loves us unconditionally. And he offers heaven as a free gift, a free gift that's not earned, it's not deserved. I mean, we don't, we don't deserve it. There's really nothing we can do other than, than lean on him to gain it. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the love of Jesus Christ. That's the love of God the Father. That's an unconditional love that one would lay down his life for his friend. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Man is a sinner. Man, we inherited sinful nature from Adam. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Grace saved by grace. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God. And God can't get to us. We can't get to him unless there's something that moves it out of the way. And Jesus Christ paid that sin debt. He made it a clear path for us to get to God. Romans 10.13 says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. This is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It's on my business card because it doesn't matter. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the people come up to me and say, you don't, you don't know what my, my history looks like. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. The Bible says that God will change you. When you come to know Jesus Christ, he'll change you. He'll make you something that you weren't. He'll move you from where you were to where he wants you to be. But it says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm going to tell you, and I, and I tell you this every week because it is so important to me. This life is short. 
Man, I can tell you, every day someone leaves this planet and goes on to be with the Lord. If they know him, if they don't know him, they're going to be with somewhere, be somewhere else. But let me tell you something. This life is short. We're not promised our next breath. We might not gather up here again tonight. You just never know. I mean, things happen that way. If you are not completely sure about where you're going to spend eternity, don't leave this building. Well, let's get that get straight. Let's make sure we know exactly where we're going to spend eternity because we're not promised our next breath. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Perhaps you'd like to know and make sure and know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. The Bible is very clear. It says in Romans 10, 9, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. It's not complicated. I mean, it doesn't, it's not, God didn't make it hard. We didn't have to check so many boxes before we could be saved. We didn't have to jump so many hoops before we could come to know the Lord. We didn't have to make so many regular church attendances before we could qualify for that. He didn't say any of that. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe this morning you'd like to make sure and know without a shadow of a doubt. This morning we're going to have a hymn of invitation. It'll be a time when, when we just have a, a little bit of one-on-one time with the Father. And it's a quiet time. We sing, you know, because it's a reverent thing to do. And we, we lift our voices up 